0: Seven minutes after 8 o'clock here on AM 550, FM 99.9, and in Wausau 95.1 WSAU. And uh, it is uh, that time again, time for us to uh, make some financial sense with Merle Kelch. Merle joining us live in studio today, just uh, in the nick of time. Merle, welcome, welcome. Oh, yes, yes, Hi. the microphone. Yeah. The microphone might help. The microphone's a good idea. Yeah, the microphone is Hi. a good idea. How you doing? Good to, see you. Good, yeah, good to see you. Uh good to see you as well, Uh Tell you what, it's been uh, an up and down week, but uh, you know, the last—I uh, guess since the last time we spoke, which was about four or five weeks ago—things have certainly uh, taken a turn for for the better, yeah, at least yeah. uh, both in the both in the economic news and in the uh, world of the stock markets, which is, of course, the world that you are uh, knee deep in seven days a week.
1: Seven days a week? Is, 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 are there
0: eight? It feels like it. Well, the Beatles did give us eight, <laughs> well, so I it, I, it, it, I'm, I'm going to go with it.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, the thing is, is that we're kind of seeing um, as the, the conversation has been going, and, and not only by myself, certainly, but from economists that I follow along the way, they said the math just doesn't add up to a recession. And if we saw a break inside of inflation, we thought the stock market was too low. Um, there were indications going on throughout the course of July that uh, inflation was dropping down. When you're looking at the wholesale prices of commodities, of course, we saw it in the gas bumps, and, and all of a sudden uh, we see that number starting to uh, bounce up as far as the stock market goes. You know, we had some 80% of S&P 500 companies meeting or exceeding their profits, and, and the, the norm on that is about 72, 73%. And so everything that pointed towards uh, what many economists were saying happened, and we saw the stock market bounce as a result of that. So. Um, so it's not surprising. Uh, the part that's surprising is if you are not inside of the market waiting for things to get better because you just missed a 12%, 14% jump, of course, depending upon what day you're in. So, again, staying in there uh, was a better course of action than trying to guess when to leave and guess when to get back in. It, it,
0: indeed. And, uh, you know, this is something we might get to uh, throughout the week because I, I was asking you this week about uh, some different things to uh, on, to go with. The markets, of course, they always say uh, buy low, sell high, correct? Well, if you yeah. are putting money into the markets or have been throughout this year, you've been buying uh, quite a few assets oh, yeah. at yeah. the uh, at the low peak, and now we're starting to see things go up. So that uh, certainly could mean uh, you've got more assets that are be- going to be growing more quickly. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, that's the whole thing is buy low and sell high. And we have one of our clients that we were um, buying into his portfolio uh, literally just before the 4th of July. And to him, I look like a superhero, and I hope that you're not listening uh, because it just happens to be we were looking at what the math told us, and it just happened to be the right week. But, boy, um, his portfolio looks great, and I look like a superhero at the moment, but it had nothing to do with me guessing that that was the last time. <laughs> we just knew that the market was good. We've been buying along uh, all summer. We've been buying it with the companies, and, and personally, we've been buying into the marketplace because the math just wasn't adding up. Now, that said, it, it looks like we're still going to end up having a recessionary period of time. I mean, indications are pointing that's going to be the case, especially as interest rates go up. It tends to slow the economy down. We're still going to have that, but now it's just not the right time. We're still making uh, a lot of money with our widgets and our widget companies and, and that whole bit, and people are employed at the widget companies and unemployment is low. That, so all that stuff continues to keep pointing us forward.
0: Yeah, and uh, one of the other things that uh, you know we've been watching uh, throughout the summer – is uh, the crypto markets as well? I know this is not something that you're necessarily a fan of, but that that's something that uh, has even uh, gotten on a big roller coaster ride. And uh, for a while there, are things were not looking so great with the crypto. Now things are maybe leveling out there. So everything this year has certainly been uh, up and down.
1: Um, certainly, uh, certainly up and down. Uh, the, the thing we look at is that. Things that make sense. And to me, crypto still doesn't make sense, but that's a whole other to conversation. To me as well, but yes. Um, but, you know, we look at it and things are having a certain normalcy to them. And, and a lot of economists and people that we talk with, you know, say everything that's happening right now is still part of the shutting the economy off and turning it back on yet. Um, and I've heard the term the great reset, um, uh, which, you know, I think it as you shut your phone off and everything's got to turn back on in some sort of a sequence to make it start functioning properly. And it takes a little bit. So how long will it take for us? I don't know. Apparently it's been about two years so far, and we're not quite there yet. But I think we're kind of still in a great reset because some things don't make sense. And though they're getting better, but they don't make sense. Um, and I think we're still in a great reset yet. And so the classic signs of inflation and a recession coming and that whole bit aren't making sense because it's still kind of turning itself back on. If you take the largest economy, and our economy is the largest by far, from the rest of the world, you shut it off for a little while then you turn it back on and say, okay, everything's normal. Well, no, it's not normal because, you know, we don't have cars because companies got rid of the cars. They didn't need them for rentals. And, you know, airlines uh, got rid of pilots and planes because they didn't need them. Now all of a sudden they need them and trying to get all that stuff retrained and people back into the flow again. It all takes time. China's finding out the same thing uh, right now when they shut theirs off. And they just shut theirs off pieces at a time, city Mm -hmm. at a time because of COVID and trying to turn it back on. They're having the same issues what
0: what is the rule again if you take uh the california economy and make that its own independent nation which uh we can you know have that argument a different time for other reasons it's number what is it number five or number six in the world in
1: there yeah yeah it's big yes Um, and
0: and that's of course part of ours being the the number one so we've got even just a little piece right there that would be
1: uh just kind of a, a little bit of a trivia in here um the United States economy is so large, folks, and, and many people don't realize the scope of it. And now, we're going back a number of years yet, but bear with me. In, in 2008, 2009, we were having a great uh, you know, recession, as they called it, and all the financial crisis that were going on. Um, corporate America wrote off some 130 or $140 billion in loss at that point. I mean, They just wrote them off and said, all right, that's it, and he just wrote them off against their taxes and equity. Um, folks, at the time, the, the country of Ireland's GDP was about $130 billion. So our companies wrote off what most countries' GDP are, and it just wrote off as bad debt. I mean, it just shows how large our economy is. It's huge. It's absolutely enormous.
0: He is. Merle Kelch for Making Financial Sense here on AM 550 FM 99.9 Nine WSAU. Of course, our idle chatter is is just to uh, fill time between your phone calls. Those are welcome at 715 845 Two one five five. We will take a look at uh, one more quick thing before we go to our first break of the hour, I guess. I want to touch upon this. Sure. Because we can
1: come back again. There's a thing called retracement. And retracement is just a special fancy word that I heard throughout the course of the last couple of um, of weeks. And, and, you know, of course, everything has a different term. And then you learn what the news term de jure is. Um, but the retracement, one of the reasons people have been looking at the S&P 500 close above 42 31 is because of what's called retracement. And I want to touch upon this because what it means is that if the stock market goes down to a low, whatever the number that is or an index and it goes up 50% between the the top and the bottom it beats that 50% and closes at that. Um so far in the S&P 500 history there's been no time that the stock market ever went lower than what that low was. And that's another driving factor here, in what's happening inside of the marketplace. Because that said, um, uh, we've already hit our lows, and so based upon this, now it's a technical thing; it's not a mathematical thing, but it's an indicator telling us that you know we might have been at the bottom, um, or in still in that bottom range. Um, so this is an article, folks. It's kind of interesting. I'd, I'd like to have you read it by William Watts. His name seems to keep popping up inside of our articles um, with uh, MarketWatch.com. And if that's the case, we might actually be uh, towards the bottom part of this um, uh, looking forward rather than looking back.
0: Yeah, and uh, that seems to be what a lot of people are saying these days, whether it's that or whether it's the housing metrics or uh, just, as you mentioned earlier, just even the prices of of goods that seem to be coming down a bit. That says that we're we're certainly uh, on the backwards end of this. I hope so. Indeed. That would make your job a lot easier, of course. Oh, yeah. So my
1: uh, consulting portion of my business is now turned into counseling, folks. uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, Season Merle Couch, we'll we'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the week that was, and, of course, your phone calls as well at 715-845-2155. So a daytime high in the upper 60s. Uh, a chance of rain uh, later this morning as well here on WSAU, WSAU.com. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined by Merle Kelch on this uh, Saturday morning, which means, of course, we're making financial sense. We've got some idle chatter going on. Uh, Merle is throwing a whole bunch of math at me that is extremely uh, confusing. And, of course, we're waiting for your phone calls as well at 715-845-2155. If you've got a question for Merle, we'll be happy to take that as the show goes on. Burl, uh, you were just telling me uh, the the amount of math that uh, that you have to do on any any given day just absolutely mind blowing.
1: Well, it can get crazy. It really yes. Um, and all I can say is, God bless Professor Weston in school and in, in making us for a whole semester do all of our homework on spreadsheets. God bless <laughs> spreadsheets. I mean, uh, I still thank him every single day that. Uh, Uh, that he taught us how to do that many years ago because without spreadsheets my world would be different
0: there there's there was no back in that day there was no sneaking your smartphone into your lap and and they didn't have smartphones and you know (laughs) punching punching some stuff into a calculator or into a a special calculator that you download on your phone to you know figure out interest rates and things like that which of course everybody's got at their fingertips but you still yeah, got to have somebody to tell you what all those numbers you know, mean, I, right? I got to share
1: this. And I have an article I'm, I'm coming to, folks, but bear with me. I got to share this. Sure. So in college, we had to take a class called
0: Money and Banking.
1: And so in Money and Banking, it doesn't say, like, oh, money and banking, this is pretty easy. So, uh, no, no, it wasn't. So Dr. Mooney, uh, who was former from Iran, um, brilliant man, um, and he was upset because he had to teach an undergraduate course, but... but Whitewater has this thing that if they need more courses in a particular class, they bring whatever professor is going to teach that course. Mm -hmm. And I happened to get him. And it was the hardest class I've ever taken in my life. And you think money and banking. But as part of that, there's this thing called um, bond durations. And you had to calculate them. And uh, if we want to take this call, we'll go back and I can come back to the story. Yeah, indeed.
0: Yeah, we do have somebody on the phone lines at 715-845-2155. That's called a teaser in the business, by the way. That's 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 actually – You'll learn that on about uh, week three of uh, oh, well, it's only of, taken
1: me twenty years <laughs> of radio course so yes
0: uh, you you've got that part down uh, good morning you're on the air good, good morning yes. Oh, first, uh, we're going to have to ask you to uh, turn your radio down in the background. We got a little bit of a feedback there, and then we can come back to your question. Okay. Okay. So
1: somebody's trying to get you to invest in a REIT. Okay. Okay, a daughter. Well, um, what a REIT is, it stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. Okay, so that's what REIT stands about. And there's a number of variations of what a REIT is. Understanding what it is is probably one of the more important things. So in a REIT, uh, it's a collection of real estate. So that real estate is generally then um, uh, sends out usually rents or some sort of a rent or cash flow back to the person which owns it. So um, they can be both good and bad. And the reason I say that um, is because a REIT, like anything else, is as good as what's sitting inside of it. So if you have a whole bunch of REIT that's inside of um, uh, an investment class that's going down and people aren't doing it anymore, well, um, you know, now it's going to stink. If, if it's inside of an investment class that's doing well and making money or something of that nature, it's going to be great. The, the difficulty I find with REITs is, is REITs tend to have more of an issue in a rising interest rate environment. It doesn't matter which one it is. So think about it this way. If you're buying a building and interest rates on your mortgage were 2%, and now all of a sudden they're 5 or 6% going up, you now have more of a cost going out for you to be able to continue to hold that real estate. And so because of that, then, in a rising interest rate environment, REITs tend to have two problems. One, they have less cash flow to be able to pay out their dividends or monthly money. Um, and the second part of it is, is that usually if interest rates are going up, prices of real estate are coming back down. Um, and so then it tends to lose some value. So I always tell people to watch that portion of the REIT. So if the um, real estate on the inside is being leveraged, such as they're putting 20 or 30 or 40% down and financing the rest, you now have a cost problem with the rising interest rate environment and possibly a real estate coming down. So I'm not a fan of them in economic times like this when interest rates are going up. I hope that helps. Uh, REITs aren't a bad investment, but like anything else, you have to know what's inside of the package. Please do. Again, it depends upon the, the type of mortgage that is. is. Uh, the REITs aren't giving out the mortgages. They're usually picking them up from a bank or something of that nature. They're borrowing from somebody else in most instances. Um, I'm sure there's... Some of them might be loaning them out. I haven't heard of that, but I'm usually a reit is borrowing the money from a bank or some other financial financial institution. Okay,
0: I hope that helps you. <laughs> you too. Thank you much. All right. Yeah. Thanks for the call again. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call. And you know, just listening to your interaction there, it's something that uh, kind of clicked. In my mind, you got to know what you are investing in before yeah. you put the money down. Make sure that it is something that that you fully understand. I mean, and don't just go throwing money into this because somebody heard that this could be a good idea.
1: When you start getting to, you know, REITs, um, whether they're public or privately mm-hmm. traded, you start getting into um, uh, promissory notes or. Um, any of this sort of stuff you got to read this stuff and it's usually a half inch thick uh, you know uh, mutual funds are relatively standard in that a mutual fund they function the same way though the investments may be different but the, they function pretty much the same way it's the the definition of how a mutual fund is supposed to function but you get into like a private placement or a REIT or some of these natures um, they, they may not function that way they all have to do something different you got to know what's on the inside so for every five reITs that are really good there's 15 that stink um, and the difficult part is that you get this book that's a half a page. It's got all these big words. It's been written by attorneys. And to cipher through that sort of stuff, most people aren't going to get. Um, we've, we had to take tests and that kind of stuff in your securities license, and they test you on your ability to read them, which means I'm half nuts, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you have to be through that stuff. And if you don't understand how it goes, Boy, don't go into them. You know, one of the best words I've ever had in the investment business came from uh, Peter Lynch. Who Peter Lynch was the um, you know person who brought the Magellan funds through Fidelity and brought it to huge prominence. And he said, "I like investing inside of companies and products that I know." Um, Warren Buffett says, "I like investing inside of companies and technology that I can understand." That was one of the reasons he never invested in Apple over the years because he didn't understand it. He does now, by the way. Sure. Um, But you know, and, and you have to have the ability to to wrap your hands around whatever it is that you're investing. If you don't understand it, um, how can you make a good determination whether it's it's going south or going north from an investment standpoint? And that's one of the biggest things. And REITs are pretty complicated if you take a look at how they run.
0: Yeah, it certainly sounds that way. So, uh, again, make sure you get the advice and make sure you uh, consult uh, somebody about your specific situation before you before you go ahead and uh, take a dive into something like that. Again, 715-845-2155 is uh, the number. Go ahead and give us a call. We'll we would be happy to uh, talk to you through your situation or at least uh, what Merle can uh, understand of it. Now back to uh let's go back to Wisconsin Whitewater several oh, okay. several years ago, and you are uh, I, taking a. I'd already forgot this one. You'd already forgot the story. So t-
1: well, let me back up. We were talking about math. Yes, in indeed. So so in here, um, and, and computers and that kind of stuff, and and so anyway. Coming back real quickly, I had to take a money banking class, and it was from Dr. Mm-hmm. Mooney. Dr. Mooney was a doctorate professor. Um, he was upset that he had to take an undergraduate, and, man, he just killed us. But the, the part of it that I learned is, is I use daily, literally daily, the stuff we learned. It was called bond durations. And so long story short, the price of a dollar today is worth more than a price of a dollar 30 years from now just because you have it now and there's a certain calculation for that. Those are easy calculations. Though, no, I don't think anybody does them by hand anymore, but it's pretty easy stuff. Well, along the way then, if you have a stream of money, you factor the stream of money along with the um, uh, price of money or the present value of that money, there becomes a sweet spot where the amount of money going out that you're getting on an income stream and the price of the dollar, they match up and that's called the duration. Well, bonds, because of the bond portfolios, when you put them together, you want to keep your duration at a certain time frame to be able to maximize your profit with the time value of money and the income stream you're getting all matched together with bonds. They call it bond duration. So why do we do that? Well, when you have a rising interest rate environment, bond prices come down, and you can take that volatility out if you have a short duration, so you have to understand duration. All right, that said, the calculation is just horrendous because you have to calculate the price of the bond for all 10 years or 20 years out by hand to find out what your price is. Then you have to calculate the income stream and the present value of the income stream along the way then there's a whole bunch of square roots, jump three times, run around the circle, yell hallelujah to get your price. And that was the only math problem on the test.
0: Oh, man.
1: No calculators. Okay. I got it right. How? I have no bleeding idea. <laughs> um, But I know what bond durations are. Yeah. So between him and, and uh, Dr. Weston, God bless spreadsheets and bond durations. And, yeah, no calculators. And now – Folks, when we do that stuff, you pop up on the bond. You hit a button and it tells you the bond durations in seconds, uh, versus taking you know an hour of a test to do the one math problem. Um, so God bless technology too. It's make life a lot easier to be able to do that. So
0: one hour for one math problem. For one math problem. Yeah, yeah. There were also fifteen. Wow. There were
1: also fifteen other questions that were multiple choice, and each one of those were math problems. I got two of those. <laughs> So yeah, and so God bless a curve too. So yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and the one math problem was seventy-five points of the test.
0: Jeez! <laughs> suddenly, again, suddenly, uh, radio, TV broadcasting at Southwest Minnesota State University seemed uh, a whole lot easier. Well,
1: I mean, this would this would show the reason I have uh, you know some sort of a cognitive issue. I it, mean, there's no doubt about it because I thought it was kind of fun at the at the time.
0: is the number to call we've got your news headlines coming up here and we'll have more making financial sense after this 835 here on the saturday morning on am 550 fm 99.9 wsau we are making financial sense with merle kelch phone lines as always are open at 715-845-2155 as we uh, head on over to the phone lines right now good morning you're on the air and we will not head on over to the phone lines because they are, well, they just hung up. So, in that case, Merle, you were telling me you uh, you just had a backup plan. It looks like we have to put that in place now. I have
1: a backup plan. We're going to start playing Lawrence Welk.
0: Okay, that works. <laughs> that works. Let me pull up YouTube here. That, you, know, <laughs> uh,
1: you said you had a rough. I had to listen to Lawrence Welk once a week. You know, so. <laughs> and a one. And a two. Uh, sorry. I'm just myself. <laughs> So, you know, one of the biggest things that's popping up this past week from a conversation is of the passage of the, uh, oh, geez, uh, the Inflation Act, which has nothing really to do with inflation. Inflation Reduction yeah, Act, yeah, inflation yes. Inflation Reduction Act, there we go. Um, it really has nothing to do with re- the reduction of inflation. So if you believe that, boy, uh, start reading some more, I guess. But anyway, in here, one of the things we have to look at is what's happening on a tax standpoint. And so there's an article, again, one of my favorite economists, and there's no secret about that is Brian Westbury, who's the chief economist out of uh, uh, First Trust of Chicago. And so he kind of went through and he said, you know, bearable. And, and I wasn't looking at it, he says, you know, there's the good, the bad, and then there's the bearable. And he said, take a look at the tax plan. And one of the things he looks at in here is, is this. He said, you know, if we look at, you know, during the, uh, when uh, President Biden was campaigning, he wanted to take the top tax bracket um, up to uh, 396 uh, he wanted to have the top uh, long-term tax rates and dividends go up to the same 39.6, and uh, none of those happened. Of course, he wanted to take the corporate tax rate up to 28% versus 21, which also didn't happen. And so, when we take a look at the stuff that he's he's done, um, having the uh, corporate tax rate being 15%, uh, well, you know, that really sounds good, and it really sounds good on paper that they're going to collect all this money, but it's going to be corporate American accounting. They're just simply going to shift stuff around from one place to another. It's probably still not going to be there, the 15% tax rate. And at the other time, the other thing, is, they said, 1% tax rate coming from uh, companies that purchase their own stock or repurchase their stock back up again, there's going to be a 1% excise tax. Well, I might be able to agree or disagree with that one one way or another to talk me into it, but the the fact of the matter is is that if companies just have too much cash they can't put back inside of investments, rather than having it sit there inside of cash Mm -hmm. and doing nothing, now, uh, they put it back into their uh, individual stock, which helps the stockholders and that kind of stuff and drives the stock price up. So so with it, um, it's bearable because it's not going to have a big effect. Um, I think what it does is it's one of those things of it's going to sound terrible, folks, but you're going to laugh about it because it'll make sense to you. It's sort of like peeing yourself in a pair of dark pants, Mike. Okay. You get a warm feeling all over, but nobody <laughs> n- notices. It, mm-hmm. It's the same principle here. Mm-hmm. Doesn't attempt at humor. You're not quite <laughs> getting it. Maybe that wasn't quite meant for radio, but you get it, folks. Indeed, But, indeed. Uh, but in here, um, I think it's more of a feel-good measure than anything else. I'm not sure that it's really going to necessarily pass anything, and I think it still becomes more of a green new deal um, supplement as far as the money that they put in here. And I don't think the taxes collector can going to be what they think, just because of the nature of the beast.
0: Mm-hmm. Indeed, because yeah, if there's going to be, they're going to find ways around having to pay that one way or another, even if that just means, uh, as you said earlier in the show, maybe taking a loss somewhere else in the business and being able to write that off.
1: Well, that, not only that, but corporations don't really pay taxes anyway. Because if they have a tax bill, it's going to be reflected inside of the price of the goods and the services of the widgets. So it's going to be the consumers that end up paying that tax bill regardless. Um, you know, I think the better thing America could do is simply have no corporate tax rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in doing so, it continues to be, keep bringing the business and the expansion and global business into the United States um, and uh, allows them to pay people more money. I think it's a better way to do it.
0: But nobody's going to listen to Merle. Wow. I, I was <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, when's the next uh, campaign stop? I don't Merle. know. I don't want to, that, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I'm not doing that sort of stuff. I have friends of mine that are going through it now, and
1: they're spending a lot of time campaigning.
0: 715-845-2155 is the number to call as always we will uh take your calls if you've got a question for uh for Merle earlier this week I, I did have uh, a question for you uh that that's to revealed too much of what it was about uh here on the radio but uh, basically I was wondering about possibly taking a loan out of a 401k you told me that is not a good idea and yeah. uh why is that Merle
1: well you know so uh Folks, you know, Mike is a lot younger than I am. And a lot better looking, I have to say. <laughs> Thank a lot you. Lot thinner, you know. <laughs> and he can still walk up and down steps. I mean, you know, just wait, it's coming, you know. Mm-hmm. So so in here we'll get these questions from people and your question is no different in saying, well, yeah, just for an example, I want to take uh, $2,000 out of my 401k or $5,000 out of my 401k because I'm going to do x or y on this and I can take it cheaper out of my 401k because it's a no interest loan or it's a quarter percent interest loan, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. even 1%. Um, and in that is a good idea because that's a cheaper loan for me to take out at the bank. And so the answer coming back, I said, and, and a perfect example would have been this past month, is what if you took that loan out of the, for the $5,000 um, and I took it out on January first? I'm sorry, July 1st? Well, not only do you have the fee because most of these 401ks will charge you $200, $50, or some sort of a fee mm-hmm. for taking the loan out. So if you take you know uh, let's use thousand dollars for sake of ease. You take thousand dollars out because you really need the money. You have to pay the $50. well, that's 5% to start with. And now the stock market just went up 12 or 14%. Let's use 12. So that's 120. plus the 50, you're now sitting at a 17% cost for that money uh, for one month and you still have to pay it back yet. And the whole time that you have that money sitting outside of uh, – sitting inside of the loan, it's not invested inside of the marketplace. It has to go into the general account typically. And so with it, typically taking loans from your 401K, especially for a smaller dollar amount, don't make any sense. Um, now, sometimes people say, I'm going to take the money out because I'm getting ready to retire, so I'm going to take the loan out now pay some stuff back. And we'll wait until next year and pay the loan back when I take the money out of the 401K. I mean, some people do some of that, but generally – your opportunity loss is what kills you in taking a loan from your 401k.
0: And that's exactly why. Uh, when I've got questions like that, I'm going to find uh, somebody that knows more about it than myself. To, yeah, uh, let, to let me know who they are. Yeah, to, to help explain that. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call. Good morning. You're on making financial sense. If
1: a a, a little bit louder. I'm sorry. I didn't quite hear you. I'm hearing a CD. I'm I'm missing the first word. I'm sorry, sir. Oh, charitable contribution. Yes. Um, I believe they are. Um, I haven't heard much about them as of late, but I believe the charitable contributions are still available. It can be any investment, it could be the CD or or whichever. Uh, The charitable contribution is just simply how you do it. Um, But um, I believe that's available from an IRA standpoint. Yes. So the whole principle about that is you take the money from your IRA and you give it to a charitable entity and you avoid the tax on doing so so they are contact your financial professional how to do it so whether you want to use it from a cd or any other investment um, it is open
0: you're welcome sir good question yes indeed 715-845-2155 is is the number to call so uh, from, from what i understand about that is it's uh you're just you're just finding a way to be a philanthropist there right
1: well i think it's a it was a pretty good idea and i don't remember if it was the I don't know if remember it was if it was Bush 2 or if it was the Obama administration that came came up with the idea. Okay. But what a wonderful way in which to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, every year we have to do a required minimum distribution. Now at age 72, we used to be 70 and a half. And, and uh, a lot of people also made charitable contributions. So this allowed charities to receive a contribution um, from Merle because he has to take $5,000 out of his IRA. I'm not 72 yet, by the way, folks. I may sound that way and look that way, but... But if I have to make that charitable account, if I have to take the money out, mm-hmm. if I give it to my charity, I can avoid the tax The charity gets the money. I thought it a, a, a brilliant way to spread the wealth around, and, and what a great idea. And as far as I know, it has not changed, and I don't think there's anything that's changed as far as this new act and taxes on that. I don't think that's changed as well. Um, so hopefully it continues on.
0: But again, contact your uh, financial uh, advisor to, yeah, and to and uh, part, make sure. i would probably
1: talk to your tax advisor. Tax advisor, Cause okay. like the investment part of the world, uh, uh, taxes and the rules and taxes are changing about as fast as the investment world these days. And so something I'm talking about now could have changed two weeks ago, and we may not
0: have gotten the memo yet. Indeed. We will take a break. We'll be back with more Making Financial Sense next here on WSAU. It is 848 on this Saturday morning, and we are on our way towards a daytime high of 69 overcast skies outside the WSAU studios right now. We've had uh, some rainfall off and on throughout the morning as well. Uh, About uh, 25 hundredths of an inch of rain in the uh, Leichner rain gauge on Wausau's west side when I uh, dumped it out this morning half awake at, you know, uh, about 445 or so on my way into the office. We are making financial sense with Merle Kell. You just heard the disclaimer there uh, on AM 550, FM 99.9, 9, WSAU. And as always, if you have questions, feel free to give us a call. No question too big or too small for uh, Merle. We've had long, complex answers today, and we've had a simple uh, yes and no answer today. So feel free to uh, bring them in at 715-845-2155. He is uh, the man, Merle Yeah, you know, we were Merle just Kels. talking
1: about the, confer- you know, the uh Conversation about bond durations. I've never had that one. Did that one on the radio. So okay. I think I still have PTSD from that test. <laughs> I, mean, <it's,
0: laughs> I I would as well if you were with us. You've been with us throughout the uh, the entire show. Merle was telling us about how he at once answered uh, a question. It, it was a one hour question on a test, and it was seventy five percent of the grade on there. And yeah. just the process that I'm seeing you go through calculating out. For ten years from now, for two different elements, it, it just completely mind blowing. I mean, did you go through a whole notebook of trying to show your work on that?
1: Well, you had, they, of course, it was a uh, that section of the test was an essay, so they okay you the test and You got as many sheets as you wanted to calculate it, so it was a it was a lot of work.
0: Wow, wow. Uh, it seems like it, yeah. Fortunately, it was
1: only ten years because the practice version of it was fifteen. So they okay. saved us by,
0: yeah. 30% of work. You know, yes, so. yes. And, oh, what a pain. Yeah, so. it absolutely and no sound, sounds that way. Yeah, and no calculator. You know, some of the stuff we're, we're well. looking at
1: this past week, folks, is the Dow, we just had four weeks up uh, in a row um, in the Dow. We haven't had that since November of last year. So so with it, we had the Dow of about 1.3% and one7 on the S&P 500. But the NASDAQ, which typically are smaller companies and more tech stuff, um, was up 2.1%. And, and why I say that is, We have been going through, especially over the course of the last few months, we've been getting together with clients and saying, okay, we got to check on the balance of your portfolio. So usually if we'll bring portfolios in from another company into ours, it's one of the first things we do is we take a look at the balance of it to make sure, um, you know, how's our percentage of small, medium, large growth value stock bonds. We look at this big nebulous nebulous ball and make sure our balance is right. And so we're big fans of using modern portfolio theory models. So in using those modern portfolio theory models, we can typically see where there's going to be a problem, where there has been a problem, and explain why a portfolio is not doing what the client wanted to do. So that said, when we're looking forward, what tends to happen is a lot of people are all lopsided and are missing certain pieces. And so the reason I say this about the NASDAQ is the NASDAQ tends to have that tech and small company, and though the stock market has done really well in the Dow, the small and the mid-caps have just really shot up. And those are usually the pieces that people are missing and so we've been doing a lot of rebalancing in a portfolio so you know the question becomes is you know should a person uh 50 years old have small caps in a portfolio sure should a person 90 sure why because we don't know if they're gonna live another 20 years um, but should they have the same percentage well probably not but that conversation you look at and say you know should we you know how do we do that well it's based upon talking with a client and can you sleep at night and portfolios and building them together but the diversified portfolio is going to have all those pieces to them. That's one of the being, one of the biggest things we've been chatting about throughout the course of uh, the past number of months with clients is getting those portfolio balances not necessarily for what's going to happen in the next six months folks, but what's going to happen in the next three to five years. We want to make sure that we're going to have the opportunity for the portfolio to go up. You know, I was having a conversation with some colleagues and some clients as like as say they say, well we're worried about a recession I said, well I'm not really worried about that. so why is that is usually as a recession is going along, um, the stock market goes up before the official uh, recession is considered is considered over, and the reason for that is that eventually the stock interest I'm sorry the, the, the interest rates from the Federal Reserve start going back down, and if you hear the term we've been hearing it on CNBC and different programs throughout the course of the last couple of weeks is when's the when's the Fed going to pivot? Um, that doesn't mean they're going to turn around and look for a musical chair and this kind of stuff and pull one out. That's not mm-hmm. it. So they're going to increase interest rates to slow the economy down. Once the economy slows back down, they got to get fired back up again. So guess what they do? They start dropping the interest rates. Right. So the whole idea is that as interest rates go up, in theory, you find that sweet spot. And then you start using some bonds in your portfolio because as interest rates go down, the bond values go up and you collect the interest along the way. When does that happen? Who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. We're not there yet as I've been looking at bond prices to do that. And I can't find anything yet. The bond prices are still a little too high for my personal liking. Um, But at some point in time, we pivot, and when that pivot happens, the stock market being forward-looking, you tend to see that stock market start to drive up before the official time of a recession is over with. We saw it happen in 2008 to 2009. Um, You know, if you uh, got your hat handed to you in 2008, if you stayed in or put more money in through the course of 2009 up to 2010, you were rewarded handsomely. Mm -hmm. So so that being said, you know, just got to watch and pay attention and plan for a few years down the road. And we're going to be okay. You just have to keep yourself from jumping out of the window somewhere along the way. And if you do jump out of a window, folks, do what I do. It's a first floor.
0: Very yes. easy landing. Yeah, I got. very, very yeah. easy landing. Uh, <laughs> no worries about uh, about getting splattered uh, anywhere. Well, uh, you
1: just got some you know bushes. You get a little yeah. scratched up, maybe. But maybe you know. a
0: little scratched up. Yeah. Maybe a little embarrassed that the neighbors saw you like that. But uh, but you, you can tell a story to your buddies. In, you indeed, know. no worse for the wear at all. <laughs> Uh, so, what What I'm hearing in there is, uh, you know, and, and me listening to this, trying to read between the lines maybe a little bit, uh, you know, everybody talks about, you know, the big sexy stocks, the Apples, the Microsofts, Tesla, whatever it may be, things like that, they tend to grab a lot of the headlines. What I'm hearing in there is, you've also got to be looking for some sort of XYZ transportation company, something that nobody is really talking about to make sure that you've got a really good balanced portfolio because, well, yeah. some people may have made a killing on Apple stock. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the case for everyone.
1: You know, we had a client in Milwaukee, and uh, he was a truck driver. Not that that necessarily means anything, but he's a truck driver. He drove a truck, not a tech-savvy person at all. Well, he got laid off from his truck driving job, and this is the uh, you know early to mid-'80s, this hill nature. He had laid off from his truck driving job at that point in time, and he had $12,000 in his 401k, and he had this conversation with both he and his child. His child, who was in the computers at that point in time, says, Dad, you should buy the stock at Microsoft, and he did. So imagine the value of $12,000 going into Microsoft stock from your 401k into an IRA uh, when you did it about 1984. Um, is worth multi, 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 multi millions. So why did he do that? Well, his kid was a tech geek. And said, so "You got to invest in this company. I think it's going to be great." The company took off, did tremendous things. He made an enormous amount of money. It was the only trade he really ever did in his lifetime, until of course we got to him trying to get him diversified from the one single stock. Um, but in doing so, um, we have to look for those companies, you know. And so, um, are we going to sit out there and look every day and page through the pages? Probably not. Uh, but that's where diversification using a financial professional helps in, is to help find those companies or to use some of those small investments. And this goes into, again, the companies that take off the most as the markets come back or as an economy comes back tend to be your small and mids. Do you put 50% of your money in there? No, that'd be crazy. You're going to you know, end up having so much volatility to have a heart attack and die. You won't need the money. But uh, <laughs> you have to have some in there because that's the thing that adds that little bit of extra to your portfolio. And again, see your financial professional, see if that's right for you, and see if that diversification is going to be right.
0: And in the event that uh, you don't have a financial planner, you're maybe looking to do business with somebody like that, a great local company, how can they contact, say, you at Kelch & Associates to get started well, with
1: Well, many attractive and brilliant people call me. Sorry, oh. I just had to put that out there. It's kind of fun. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I know we're a little bit early. Let me get one more thing in here. I sure. Want um, so in here, um, I want to put this out there because, though I pick on our good friends from Michigan, by the way, my wife is a youper. Okay. Uh, the Michigan University of Michigan has what's called a Consumer Sentiment Index. And, and sometimes it doesn't make any sense to me, and sometimes it, it's overlogical in my opinion. But one of the things that's happened this past week is two things. is the ISM numbers, which is the Institute for Supply-Side Management. They're measuring if we're buying for the future or not. Their number popped up, and as well as we saw the sentiment come up from Michigan, um, it, it went to 55.1, which is a pretty good jump coming up from August, I'm sorry, uh, coming up from uh, um, 55.1 in, in July. And so uh, the number came up pretty good, and the people are kind of looking ahead, and, and you see that uh, pretty indicative of, of fuel prices dropping down. So, uh, so with that, um, it, it all kind of fits towards the economy still continuing to keep moving forward. Um, so um, I like that. So watch into the future here, folks. I think we're going to be okay.
0: I think we're going to be okay too. We'll come out of this one way or one way or another. It just might take us, uh, you know, a little extra time to get there. Indeed. So, so
1: if you want to try to find us, indeed, find us on Third Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau, Wisconsin. Come on in, have a cup of coffee, kick the tires uh, per se. Come on in. The building project is done, so there's no more hammering on the walls on the inside. This is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, stop it and say hello. You can find us locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wausau area, at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at com. And there's
0: cookies involved as well, correct? Uh, we haven't had cookies in a while, but there's okay. chocolates and coffee. Chocolates and coffee. There you go. That's that's good enough for yeah, me. I'm perfect. sold. Again, Merle, we always appreciate the time. It's probably going to be a while before you and I get to chat again next uh, next because we're going to turn you back over to your regularly scheduled host, Mr. Tom King, next week. So. Uh, until then, we'll look forward to uh, to chatting again and getting that great insight.
1: Sounds great. Talk to you then, buddy.
0: Indeed. And and of course, if I've got uh, any any sort of stupid questions or stupid memes, I will feel free to send them your way as well. <laughs> always, always welcome. Always, always indeed. 8.59 on this uh, Saturday morning coming up. We've got a look at your news headlines with Fox News Radio. We'll also take a check of local and regional news later today here on WSAU. It is going to be Milwaukee Brewers baseball. We've got that coming your way. Uh, we'll get to first pitch uh, just after 6 o'clock or so. Pre-game coverage coming up in your 5 o'clock hour. Of course, uh, just taking a quick check of what happened last night. The Wausau Woodchucks clinching a playoff spot in the Northwoods League. The Milwaukee Brewers falling to the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Green Bay Packers playing their preseason opener yesterday. They fell to the San Francisco 49ers. More on that online at WSAU.com.